Hello and welcome back to the Life Winners podcast where we talk about all things watches from the last week basically because we're doing this on a weekly cadence. Today we got two things we wanted to talk about. Um, one being the incredible um, incredible release that has taken the, the world by storm, not just the watch world by storm, um, but that's the collaboration between uh, Swatch and Blancpain. And the second thing we're going to talk about today has to do with a missing Patek Philippe watch that has now surfaced. Um, because we do this on a weekly cadence, of course, you know, topics to discuss based are, are based on sort of what happened within the last week. Sometimes we have a lot, sometimes we don't, but these two have uh, topics are plenty thing, plenty to speak through. And um, I look forward to going through them with you. We will start with um, probably the the uh, big collaboration, which was the Swatch Blancpain Scuba 50 Fathoms, which is a collaboration that sort of builds off of previous collaborations between Swatch and um, some of the other Swatch Group companies, namely the Moon Swatch. So um, a few years back, Omega and Swatch collaborated and created their Moon Swatch, which was essentially a um, a Swatch version of the very famous Omega Speedmaster. They released 11 variations of this specific piece and sort of have been releasing slowly these different versions of it. Uh, it was probably one of the biggest commercial successes I could possibly think of. People outside of the watch industry, people outside of watch collecting, took to this uh, collaboration, really wanted to be a part of it. And there were incredible lines outside of Swatch stores these watches were going for multiple fi- multiple times over what the retail value were, were for them because it was so difficult to actually get them. Obviously, they are now um, available in Swatch stores and it's quite easy, but you still see these watches trying to be sold for well over the retail price of one of these Moon Swatches. There was um, obviously a great interest in it. I think it's a very fun way to collect um, if you are sort of starting out in the in the collecting sort of sphere, or if you're only now getting in, or, or you're very early on, or or perhaps you know this is more within the price point of where um, you like to collect watches. I think it's a very fun way of doing it, where there's eleven different versions. You can really have a, a pretty fun time collecting all of these different moon swatches. Of course, at this price point, you are looking at a very different level of quality when it comes to um, these watches that's that should go without being said there were some quality concerns with the moon swatch but at the end of the day it was a great collaboration and a very enjoyable one for collectors to go through this past week we've seen or i'd say past couple of weeks we've seen swatch sort of tease this collaboration with uh, Blancpain where they were going to release some sort of um, some sort of collaboration that builds off of the previous Moon Swatch that was released. Now, what was really interesting about it is when people thought about a collaboration between Swatch and Blancpain, there were some concerns because you had to think of the the uh, the type of company that Blancpain is. Blancpain and, and Omega are two completely very different companies, um, and there were some concerns from some watch collectors. There were also some people who were very enthusiastic about it. And, um, and so a lot of rumors were sort of spilling around. One of the main ones was the idea that Blancpain has always prided themselves on the idea that they have never made a non-mechanical watch in the history of their company. 
and they were concerned that this collaboration with Swatch might lead to that. But people then realized that there was a movement, the Swatch System 51, which was Swatch's mecha first mechanical um, movement uh, that they would use, or that they had produced and might be part of this collaboration. Of course, there, that, so that sort of appeased some of the people who, who, who spoke about this, but there were some concerns, again, about the idea that, you know, the Swatch System 51 at the end of the day was, uh, is a, is a uh, uh, one and done sort of movement. If, you know, you put this watch in the movement and then once it's cased, if anything goes wrong with it, it's very difficult or I don't, I think it's impossible to actually service it. And so if it broke, you would basically have to take the movement out and throw it away and replace it with a completely new one. So um, people had some concerns with that because that was in real stark contrast with sort of how Blancpain uh, goes about or watchmaking sort of goes about the idea of servicing watches. Um, so, so you were going to get a mechanical movement, but maybe it wasn't in the same spirit as Blancpain, but at the same time, you know, these are, this is Swatch. This is supposed to be a fun way of collecting, you know, something that you can you can wear and enjoy and, and, and maybe not take, uh, take things too, too seriously when it comes to all of those, um, those additional uh, considerations. So, uh, so there were people who were teasing different versions of what they thought this watch was going to look or these watches were going to look like. It was their sort of advertisement had all the five different oceans and so people knew that there were probably going to be five different watches. And um, so, so then the day came and it was released and there was a really great article on Hodinki. I will put a link in the description the show notes of this video if you want to, if you want to uh, see it and see some of the pictures of the watch. Um, but they released these watches and they, it was um, five ocean themed scuba 50s um, it's, it's, uh, that, that were released um, in different colors. So the Atlantic model had, was in blue, the Pacific model was in yellow orange, the Arctic model was in beige with, a, with an orange bezel. The Indian Ocean was in green, and the Antarctic was in white. Um, one of the reasons why they used these colors were because they didn't. They wanted to. Um, they wanted to uh, not create watches that had already been created in their bioceramics before. Um, these watches obviously have um, the, the very similar themes to to uh, how the Moon Swatch was sort of created. You have the two names of the company, Blancpain times Swatch, where the um, name of the company would be located on the dial right at, underneath 12 o'clock. You then have Scuba 50 Fathoms and the depth rating written towards six o'clock. Um, the depth rating being 91 meters or 300 feet, um, which is exactly 50 fathoms, hence the name of the 50 fathoms. Uh, it's got uh, applied hour markers, with uh, Arabic text for 12, 3, 6, and 9. Um, and then you have these, uh, these um, uh, sort of arrow um, hands for the or arrow applied markers for the, um, for the rest of the different hours. This watch also has a um, usable dive bezel, which bezel insert, which is extremely, uh, you know, it kind of raises the level of maybe the watch um, compared to the Omega Speedmaster because it does have this additional feature. I haven't had one of these in my possession to actually play around with the 
bezel, but from what I've seen in reviews and being told by other collectors is that the action on it is actually quite robust and it feels really, um, really solid, which I think is a, which I think is a, is a really uh, great benefit. The watches are 42 millimeters in diameter. They have uh, drilled lug holes in the, in the lugs and they have a really cool, they all come with different NATO straps, which are made from recycled fishing nets, which I do think is a nice sort of nod to the idea of conserving our, the oceans of the, of the planet. Uh, the watch has a um, one screw design that's hermetically sealed and 90 hours of power reserve, which I think is quite cool. You then have the exhibition case back where you can see the um, where you can see uh, the Swatch System 51 movement. On that Swatch System 51 movement, you have a printing of a nudibranch, which is a sea creature that's indigenous to specific oceans. Um, that those watches were created for. So pretty fun, pretty fun design that they've created on this. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's obviously, a, it's a 400 US dollar watch. It was released on the 9th. And um, as you can imagine, the, uh, <laughs> the lines were insane for this watch, um, as were lines for the Omega, um, the uh, Omega and, and Swatch collaboration exactly the same thing happened with these um, these watches. I think the watch that's probably going to be the most popular, at least with uh, with watch collectors, is likely to be the, um, the yellow-orange model, which is, uh, which was the uh, Pacific Ocean model, because it does have the no radiation symbol towards six o'clock, which is an added detail um, that obviously harkens back to the uh, original Blancpain 50 Fathoms that were created. Um, there's also on the Arctic version, there is, um, there is uh, a, um, what they have coined as a, uh, the Arctic version has a, um, has a, sorry, the Antarctic version has a moisture indicator, which I think is also going to be a collectible version of this piece, because again, it does um, speak about things that the old school Blancpain um, had in, in, their, in their watches. I haven't actually checked the secondary market for these. I'm going to check right now while we, um, while we speak, um, because I am curious uh, if people have already uh, started to list them on the secondary market, but I do know that they created an incredible amount of, um, incredible amount of stir for the brand of Swatch, um, and, uh, you know, of course it's, it's, um, it's, it's going to, it's created, it's gotten more people into, to watch collecting, people are realizing that these are very, very collectible, and I think that's a great thing. I'm actually looking at some of these pieces on eBay right now. I see one that's fit, that's gonna end. It's a it's one of the uh, Indian Ocean versions, so the green version of this piece, and it's at seven hundred and fifty U.S. dollars. So that's three hundred and fifty dollars over the four hundred at retail that you would normally pay for these pieces. There are a ton already listed. I just typed in Blanc Pond Swatch, and there's four hundred forty-eight search results. So. Um, Yep, gonna be secondary market bonanza again, I think. What's, um, what I do think, you know, 
on the outset, I think this is another great collaboration. I think Swatch is going to, you know, benefit from this a lot. But what I really am excited about is hopefully this will get these individuals who maybe aren't into watch collecting or so far into into watches. Maybe they'll do a little bit of research on Blancpain because I do think Blancpain deserves some of the recognition um, for the things that the brand is is doing. Um, you know, 2,000 people lined up, uh, or more than 2,000 people lined up in front of the Times Square Swatch store in, in New York City. So, you know, hopefully, even if you take 50 of those people who maybe aren't into watches and research blog and maybe get into it a little bit from, from the brand perspective, I do hope that they will get their, their, their recognition and maybe, you know, they'll be able to, to, to build off of that into the, into the future. I do hope these, that the secondary market isn't as crazy and, and people calm down a little bit about it. Um, I, I, these aren't limited production run from what I know, so it's not like you won't be able to get your hands on them. I think it's just a, um, a spur of the moment, but you have to go to a physical retail location. Anyway, that's enough about the Swatch Blanc collaboration. I'm sure we're going to hear much more about it in time. I wanted to speak about a missing Protect Leap watch that I think is probably one of the most significant Protect Leaps, and I think everyone thinks is one of the most significant Protect Leap watches to be discovered. So many of you may know, may, may or may not, I'm not sure, but you may know who John Lennon is. Um, but there is a um, Protect Leap watch that he owned that sort of went missing for a very, very long time. Um, and it seems to have resurfaced. If you don't know who John Lennon is, John Lennon was an English um, singer, songwriter, musician um, for the Beatles. And he had purchased a Patek Philippe watch, um, or I guess he was gifted a Patek Philippe watch. It was the reference 2499 Perpetual Calendar Chronograph, which is believed by many to be one of the best watches ever produced. Um, this is in the long. This is in the line of the perpetual calendar chronographs, like the fifteen eighteen, that have been really, I think, placed in a. They are in a in a way, you know, the ultimate watch for for many collectors in some ways, kind of like the end goal for for watch collecting. The twenty four ninety nine is a very important example of these. Um, many believe it to be the perfect watch, but this watch uh, was. Uh, given to John Lennon by his wife, Yoko Ono, um, just before he was assassinated in 1980 um, and has been discovered in Geneva, where um, there's a lot of controversy around it, but it has finally come out that it's, this watch has been found. Um, the timepiece is actually in the possession of the lawyers of a watch collector from Italy, who had purchased it from a, um, a German auction house that isn't, is no longer around um, and, uh, is in, and is in possession of this. This watch was believed to have been stolen by the former driver of, um, of John Lennon um, and really disappeared for, for, for a very long time. It was never proven, but it was believed that it was stolen by the driver. Um, this has now been in, this watch has apparently been in um, a huge legal dispute for many years. Um, John Lennon's widow and this collector 
have sort of been fighting over this in, in, in court. Um, and the Geneva court ruled that Ona is actually the rightful owner of this watch. The collector obviously is appealing this decision uh, because, um, you know, uh, I think the, the argument that he makes is she, she lives in, I believe, New York City. And what um, they are arguing is that uh, Ona hadn't actually reported the watch stolen and failed to act within three years of the theft, which is required by the state of New York. Uh, by law so big controversy I, you know i think there's definitely probably some some piece of um uh you know idol you know he's obviously an idol for for, for many pieces a significant piece of history and so i'm sure that there's some interesting you know pieces to the puzzle when it comes to this case um so the watch is around the watch apparently belongs to ona but obviously is being appealed by this Italian collector who lives in Hong Kong. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this watch actually comes out and is sold on the market. I don't know what the intents are. I don't know how long this argument between the two parties is going to take. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Ono is, is, is going to do with this watch if she keeps it, if she decides to sell it. Who knows? Um, on the optics, if she does win this watch back and then sells it, you know, might be a little bit controversial. I don't think that's going to happen for many, many years. But you do start thinking about the idea that this might be the one of the most important 2499s to surface, period. Um, maybe one of the most important watches to surface um, at all, considering um, Lenin's place in music and in cultural history and in in um, really the, the history of the world. Um, so I don't think this watch is going to be sold anytime soon unless really that, that is the intent of winning this lawsuit. Um, it will be interesting to see which, which auction house does it. It will be interesting to see how much it fetches. As a reminder, Paul Newman's Rolex Daytona fetched $17 million in 2017, which set the record for the price of a wristwatch at auction. Um, 2499s are incredibly important. One belonging to John Lennon is probably even more, you know, equally as important to the uh, Rolex Daytona that belonged to Paul Newman. So, you know, I think it might crack the 17 million. Maybe I'll just say it right now. I'll put my line on the lens. And when this watch comes to auction, if it does, I do think it will break the 17 million dollar, uh, US dollar barrier um, and become the, the most expensive wristwatch to, to sell at auction. There's no way that it, that it, that it can't. I think even even if it was in poor condition, I still think it will go for for more than more than seventeen million. As I always do, I will leave a link in the description to the things that we're speaking about today. Though I'll leave a link to the article about John Lennon's um, watch uh, being found. It's uh, quite an interesting um, story to hear about. But what I want is to hear from you and hear what you think about these two things. Do you like the Swatch System 51 and Blancpain, or the Swatch and the System 50, uh, excuse me, the Swatch and the Blancpain collaboration? What do you think is going to happen with John, with John Lennon's particularly Watch? Do you think it will come to auction soon? Do you think it will be five, ten years down the line? I'd love to hear what you think. You can always send us a message on lifeontherist.com, or you can go to one of our social media accounts. Check us out on Instagram. It's probably where I'm, where um, be easiest to chat about these things, but send us a DM. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these two topics. 
If you are new to Life on the Wrist, be sure to head to our website. You can check out our editorial section where we write stories about watches, but we cover a range of topics. So um, head over there if you're interested. You can check out our YouTube channel where we create videos as well related to our articles. So if you are in the need for some more watch content. Um, if you wouldn't mind um, liking this uh, podcast and sharing it with a friend who might be interested in watches, it really does help me out. Um, if you are new, make sure you follow our podcast as well. With that said, guys, I will catch you next week in another episode. And until then.